What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, the four teams in action here for the conference championship games have all the incentive in the world because trips to the Super Bowl are on the line here this weekend. Packers, 49ers, Titans, and Chiefs. The betting market has been active. We do have sharp money out there on both of these games, both side and total. And fortunately, we're able to talk about that every week with Brent, the head risk manager down at DSI Sportsbook. So we talked about those two games here for this weekend. Also talked about the process, the starting process for the upcoming Super Bowl 54. And of course, we'll see after this weekend which teams will be involved in that game. But here is this week's version of the odds report with Brent from DSI Sportsbook. All right, I'm joined by Brent, the head risk manager down at DSI Sportsbook for this week's version of the odds report. Brent, how's it going today, man? Going wonderfully well. Uh, beautiful summertime down here. I know there's a little bit of snow in parts of uh, the rest of the world, apparently. But it's uh, it's awesome time of year in terms of weather-wise. It gets like This is just kind of like the start of summer, which is it's just really, really nice. And I, I will confess, I was at the beach yesterday, and it was like 33 Celsius. It was just a, just a brilliant day. And I'll recharge to come in today and talk to you. There you go. Sounds good. And only three football games left. Only three weeks left to talk to me. I don't know what you're going to do without this segment on Thursdays. I I hope you can find some way to replace it in your heart. But before we get to these conference championship games here in the NFL playoffs, let's sort of go over what I'll call a postmortem for Monday night because I, like a lot of people, was on Clemson. And that line did end up dropping rather significantly on game day. How'd that game wind up playing out for you guys? It it wasn't bad. I mean, it's kind of... It's interesting from from my point because we're seeing the line dropping across the board. Yet on in terms of the point spread, I still had uh, LSU money. Like we actually needed Clemson on the you know on the spread. Um, but what is you know is typical. It'll be typical this weekend, I believe, as well. And it has been traditionally with the NFL playoffs. Is usually you need the favorite on the money line, and that was that was the case as well. We needed LSU on the on the to win on the money line because people were grabbing Clemson with the the plus money, and in our store they were uh, laying LSU on the spread. So I was you know just slowly moving down as the number went. I was kind of like staying as as high as the highest number on the board as it ticked down and ticked down, just because I still had um, more point spread money on LSU, despite the fact that I had the, the money line money the other way on Clemson. And, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we needed the under, but that obviously you could tell that was going to get washed out right quick. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a pretty interesting game to say the least. And, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of prop betting stuff out there as well. Plenty of things for people to consider uh, in that market. And, and, you know, there will certainly be, um, a lot of prop market stuff going out here 
uh, for this game as well, coming up here with the Super Bowl, which people may have heard of, I guess I could say. But let's go ahead and talk about these conference championship games here. And again, as always, we go by rotation order on this show. So we'll start with the later game. Game 311-312 is Green Bay and San Francisco. What do you? What's it look like over there at DSI for you guys? Yeah, I mean, right now, this you know, the, the thing, the advantage kind of we, we all have, and that's, you know, our side of the counter as well as the other side of the counter with the customers is in both these games, we're talking about teams who have played each other al- already. So you kind of have that to go from, um, you know, the, that's always kind of nice to like, okay, these guys played each other and what happened that game? And you kind of c- can, you know, it's not to say like it's a blueprint that, okay, let's dissect what happened when these teams played before and that's going to happen again because, you know, it just doesn't happen that way. And, and especially when you're, you know, f- facing certain defenses for a second time and even facing, you know, uh, quarterbacks for a second time, you tend to, to get better and make adjustments. I guess, I mean, that's the, the ideal. Um, so teams, you know, the teams that lost um, should be improved in terms of looking at, okay, what do we do wrong and how do we improve on that? Um, I do have sharp money on San Francisco. So that's kind of out of the bag right, right away. Um, that money came in at minus seven. So San Francisco minus seven was sharp. Um, I, I'm at seven and a half right now. My wager count on the spread uh, is almost dead even. Uh, I've got a count on the over four to one. So that's got numbers gone quite heavy towards the over um, that started coming in mostly at, uh, at, at 45 and a half. And we're at, uh, at 46 and a half right now. So mostly, you know, 45 and a half is, is where I got hit on that. Not nothing really at 45. I know that's the number I opened at. I think the lowest number was 44 and a half. So we opened 45, uh, we're at 46 and a half. And most of my action came at 45 and a half. So no, no real risk on the toll there. Um, but like I said, the sharp money on San Francisco, but my count so far has been pretty much even. Um, at seven, it, my count's about two to one favoring San Francisco. Since we've gone to seven and a half, I've actually got more money, almost two to one going back the other way on Green Bay. So that's how that evens out to almost a, a balanced count. Um, you know, looking at handicapping this game, I think like if you look at, you know, the, the numbers, um, you really, I mean, it's, it's really tough to make a case for Green Bay. I, th- I think that kind of points to San Francisco. Um, you know, the kind of narrative side of things is San Francisco. Yeah, they won that last game and, and they did, you know, kind of dominant fashion. I think it was 37-8, uh, uh, that score. Um, you know, information-wise, there's nothing really influential in terms of injuries and stuff like that. So there's nothing, you know, really that, that jumps out other than the, the numbers and stuff like that. And obviously the the numbers and, and stats, if you will, and the on-field analysis is what really going to drive this. I, I think at 7.5 is probably going to work for me. Um, I don't see this number moving a whole lot the other way. I mean, it could tick back down if some sharps got involved in Green Bay. Um, but like I said, my, my count at the seven was two to one favoring San Francisco. My count at seven and a half is two to one favoring Green Bay. So it seems like, you know, that's kind of going to, you know, be the number that works for us. Yeah, I mean, that all makes sense, especially what you're telling me here. You know, San Francisco, as we've talked about all week long here on this show, opened six and a half against Minnesota. And this was a Green Bay team that beat Minnesota twice in the regular season, won the NFC North over Minnesota. And the opening line implies that Minnesota is a better team than Green Bay. So the move up from seven to seven and a half, not particularly surprising. I will say, I thought the over move was a little bit surprising here. A lot of that money coming in on Thursday. In fact, the day that we're recording this segment, because it it kind of almost goes against what we would expect with San Francisco in the sense that you would think a higher scoring game with an Aaron Rodgers led team would help Green Bay and a lower scoring team with a Jimmy Garoppolo led team would help San Francisco, but the line's gone up in both, which is kind of interesting to sort of read into, as we like to talk about all the time, the game flow. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that because I do think that, like, it, you know, 
I, we talked about you know last week about how San Francisco was was probably going to put a lot of pressure on Cousins just because their their defensive front seven has speed. They're they're just such a fast team. Um, they don't have to blitz very much to get pressure on the quarterback. They're they're so good that way. Um, like to, you know we talked about how how healthy they are on defense um, now. And, and the thing too is Green Bay the the success they're probably going to have you know and, and the way you kind of beat San Francisco is having you know success running the ball. And I think Green Bay is set up um, to do that with with Jones and, and, and Williams in there as well. Um, so I think, you know, Green Bay, definitely you can make a case for them in terms of numbers and them being able to have success uh, running the ball. And if that's the case, you, you kind of would um, lean towards the under as well. Uh, you know, this total, like I said, you know, it's gone up, like I said, in-house in was 45 and we're at 46 and a half. And, and again, you know, the last time these two teams played, it was uh, 37-8. So you're talking about 45 points right now. It's like right there. And it's like, you know, how are we going to get more? Now, now Rodgers didn't have a great game. I think he threw for like a hundred and some odd yards and stuff like that. And obviously he was in under a whole lot of pressure, but I, I don't know. I, the, the total I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure how, what's driving it up. And I'm going to, you know, like I said, I looked at my account and I've got a four to one wagered count towards the over. So my, my hunch is that it's just public money driving this. And guys, you, you, I, I talked about before, I mean, it's not only sharp money that drives the market. If you don't have any sharp mar- you know, money on this total and the public elsewhere, as well as here is betting four to one towards the over. I mean, you, you keep on moving that you're still moving on your money, um, whether it's influential money or not. Um, the spread, the spread, I can say, like, you know, I said, it's clearly sharp money on San Francisco minus seven and getting to it you know getting money back on green bay now that we're seven and a half well and just to clarify here you mentioned you're two to one on green bay at plus seven and a half that would include teaser money on san francisco to bring it down to one and a half right yeah that's the thing too is you know you're talking about these numbers where they are it seems you opened up the uh, the teaser box there that's really the you know the spot where uh, you know as a book you know you've got to put up the the right number and the right number is the one that's going to attract the most action and also balance you as best as possible. Um, sitting at seven and a half on seven on these two games, talking about six and a half point teasers, it's like, it, you know, there's it, it, it going to be a lot of risk, obviously, for us in these games in terms of the teaser payouts. All right, so let's go to that other game here. Game 313-314, Tennessee and Kansas City. And I think this one, you know, again, I think the line move is very cut and dry in the NFC game. San Francisco is the sharper side at seven. Not surprised to see public money there at seven and a half. And I think that move off of seven was very telling. This game, I think the picture is a little bit cloudier here as we're kind of split between seven and a half with dog juice and seven out there in the market. Yeah, I mean... I'm sitting at seven and, and like I, you know, I talked about earlier how like with the national championship game and, and these two games as well, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of um, dog money on the money line. And, and this, you know, the Green Bay game is, is that way as well. Um, my count on the Green Bay money line is about four to one favoring them. And my count on the Tennessee money line is, is even higher than that. It's it's it's, all, it's it's bordering on five to one. It's about four and a half to one if I actually did the math on it. So um, continue support on on the, the money line for both the dogs. Um, I'm getting a wager count though favoring the favorite but only about one and a half times favoring Kansas City in this game um, so the, the line did move down from seven and a half to seven where we are right now um, at even the in in-house um, you know I still had a, a wager count favoring Kansas City at seven and a half um, even at seven of course it's still about uh, three to one favoring Kansas City so that's where I get my wager count balancing these off about one and a half times when I you know add it all up so I'm still getting you know Kansas City money yet the number has gone down to seven and held there I, you know, I, I think a number like seven and a half minus 15 is probably what's going to work for me. Maybe seven and a half flat as we get uh, closer to game time. And, you know, we talked about before, I, I don't 
try and get too much in terms of the actual handicapping of these games and stuff like that. I, I do look at the the numbers and stats. Um, I do go to the you know the on field analysis and look at things. You have to be on top of you know the the narrative in this game is that Tennessee won last game. The narrative in the San Francisco game is the Niners won that game. Um, information again, you know injuries and stuff like that and situational stuff. And there's just nothing really that influences this one. Um, you know the the kind of situational spot here for Tennessee is you're talking about you know if my if my information is correct this is like their fourth road game in a row, um, which you know you can't even find data on something like that because of you know how they play their regular season it it probably never happens cases like that um, but uh, they went uh, at Houston at New England at Baltimore and here they are at Kansas City so you're talking about a team. Um, you know, obviously they they won all all three of those games as well, having beat uh, Houston to start this off. So you're talking about a team here, Kansas City, looking to win their fourth straight road game. And you really, like I said, you, you can't really find data on that. But when you look at the numbers that they're putting up offensively, it's like, I mean, Tannehill against New England, I think he had eight completions for about 70 yards. He's Baltimore. I think it was seven completions for like almost 90 yards. And of course, Henry ran crazy on both of those games. But you know, you're still you're still talking about a team who's passed for like around, we'll say, 160 yards and thrown for I don't know, like like 300 something, you know, bordering bordering on 400 yards in in those two games. I'm, it's just like Henry's always going to run the ball this well. Maybe is Tannehill always going to be you know have this low volume? I, I I don't know. And and this is a real tough spot I think for them. Um, I do have um sharp money on this game, not on the side, but on the total. Um, we were at 51 and I got the over money there. So this number is sitting at 53 right now. I think there's some 52 and a half out in the market, but I'm at 53, the, the higher number. I've got a weighted count on the over. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm saying two to one, but it's actually a little bit higher than that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think what's really interesting here about this game too, is that, you know, as you said, you got to be leery of the Tennessee money line money, because again, I mean, they, they've pulled off back-to-back upsets here in the playoffs not just their fourth straight road game, but their fourth straight road game against a division winner, which at some point you've got to think that that balloon kind of runs out of air a little bit, but you know, I mean, with the way they're playing, maybe that's not the way that things kind of set up here. You you mentioned that, you know, you think that seven and a half is probably the number that you end up with here. Do you think that'll be because of public activity or do you think that, now that we're back to seven or, you know, in some places touching seven for the first time, that will entice some sharp action to hit the board. Yeah, it's kind of a, a wait and see. Like I said, we, you know, when we open seven and a half um, and go down to seven, you're really not at any risk in terms of getting middles and stuff like that. You open at, you know, seven, you touch on seven and, and see what happens. I'm just kind of following the market right now. And again, these games are on Sunday. We're doing the show on Thursday. So, you know, just in case there was sharp money out there, I'm kind of going with the floor right now. I, I, you know, there, there are a couple of places out there that are, that are like seven and a half dog toy and stuff like that. And I, I just didn't want to go there with the, the juice right like that on the seven and a half just to hold the number. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm going with the seven right now. Like I said, I, I think I'm probably going to get, you know, ha- have this one move up, um, you know, and, and looking honestly, I'm kind of inclined to go that way. Like I said, I, I don't put my opinion into how I manage the markets here and, and my risk management philosophy. I don't, I don't say, well, I, you know, how am I going to talk to the bosses after we get crushed and say, well, you know, I thought, uh, I thought Tennessee was going to lose that game. And here's why I thought that they don't care about that. They care what was the market and how do we do? Um, but if you look at, you know, Tennessee and just everything they've done, um, you know, last week, especially you, you're talking about, you know, the game against Baltimore where, Baltimore punted one time and would they score like 12 points? I guess it was. I mean, it's just like 
they punted one time, which means they, they, they gained a ton of yards, which they did. I think it was like over 500 yards and stuff like that. So, I mean, Baltimore had success moving the ball. Um, they were just key plays that, you know, that went against them. And obviously Henry did have a really good day. And, you know, honestly, I think Henry's probably going to have another really good day. But I think, you know, looking at the Chiefs and Mahomes and how healthy they are, how healthy everyone is. And the fact that we talked about this, that the back going back to the New England game, um, Tennessee still, they, they had the, 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 I think the worst secondary going in the playoffs. Um, they have trouble covering, and I think they're going to have a heck of a time against Mahomes. Now, the kind of thing we're going to look back on again is you have the advantage as a handicapper of looking at these games, how they were played before, because these two teams did play against each other already. And if you look at you know the way things went the, the first time around, it's it's a whole lot of Kansas City in terms of their favor. I mean, they gained, outgained uh, Tennessee by like over 200 yards, even though they lost that game. Um, Henry had like his second best rushing day, I think, of the season. He put up uh, like 100, almost 190 yards in that game. Yet still, Kansas City still outgained Tennessee by like over 200 yards. So, you know, Henry himself rushed for almost 190. Yet they were still outgained by over over 200 yards. Um, time of possession in that game as well was I. It was like I think I wrote it down here. Let me see. It was like. 38 to like 22 or something like that in terms of the minutes in that game, the time of possession. It's just like, it was just like really, really one-sided, yet Tennessee still got the win. So, I mean, how they've been winning these games, I, I, you know, all the credit in the world to them that they have been winning the games, but it just, you know, it seems like their time's going to come up. And, you know, if they, if they win this one outright, that'll be fantastic for the book. I have no personal interest in Kansas City, Kansas City winning. So that would be, you know, I would I hope they win this game. Um, I do have San Francisco to win the Super Bowl that I bet before the season started. So let's hope they get the job done. But, you know, I, I couldn't carry the way in terms of who wins this game for the book. It'd probably be better if Tennessee won the game outright. But I just, you know, it's really tough to look at this in terms of numbers and on-field analysis and make a case for them. I think. All right. So here's something I'm kind of curious about as we look ahead past Sunday and obviously Sunday night, we'll know which two teams are going to be in Super Bowl 54. We'll reconvene again next Thursday night to talk more about the Super Bowl. But as far as putting up an opener, as far as the early process for a game like the Super Bowl, where the handle is just going to be off the charts, ridiculous. What does that sort of look like on Sunday on into Monday? How do you sort of start to manage your risk profile for that game? Yeah, well, it's obviously the teams involved are going to be a, a huge factor in that. I mean, if you get, uh, you know, Kansas City and San Francisco, you're talking about two teams who have like very high brand name recognition, stuff like that. If you're going against a Tennessee, throwing Tennessee in there, they're kind of, you know, well, Honestly, if, if Tennessee gets there, it's gonna, they're going to be like public darlings that they have been probably for the past three weeks as well. So we, it should be all right. Um, again, the the Super Bowl we've talked about before, it's kind of like the one game of the year where, it, you know, public money can kind of overcome the influential and sharp money in the market. It's, there's just so much, much public money involved in the game. So you kind of have to keep that in mind in terms of your own customer base and your, your kind of risk profile for that game in terms of where do you think the public money is going to come? Um, you know, obviously, I think in terms of like <clears throat> the numbers and, you know, the volume and the betting interest, I think San Francisco Casey would probably be the best result for us in terms of just getting a ton of volume, but we'll have a ton of volume nonetheless. All right. So we're going to do something special for our listeners here today, because we only had the two NFL games to talk about. Obviously we'll only have, uh, you know, the Super Bowl to talk about here after this, but next week we'll talk about sharp action. We get the following week. We'll talk about additional sharp action and also some of the props that have taken on some sharp action there in the lead up to the game. But, here this week, we're going to talk a little bit of UFC. We don't generally do that here 
on this segment, but I know you're kind of an MMA guy. I know that you had uh, some boxing in your past as well. So I just wanted to kind of get your take with you know this main event here and some of the maybe sharp activity on the rest of the card, but this Donald Cerrone, Conor McGregor fight, I mean, McGregor coming off a long layoff, Cerrone, a fan favorite. That guy will die out there in the octagon if he has to. Uh, he will fight until he can't fight anymore. So a fan favorite type of guy, the kind of underdog that you love to back because you know he's going to go to bat for your money, but also McGregor, one of the best ever in the sport. Yeah, and to, uh, the thing you have to look at with, with Cerrone is, I mean, he's all, you know, talked about the, you know, the fireworks and the kind of fights that he's always involved in, but that also obviously takes a big, big toll on you in terms of your, you know, the, the, the ring years that you have, if you will. Um, and so he, he's obviously, I think, I think in a tough spot. Um, I'm, the thing is, like, McGregor is, you know, I'm not going to compare him to Mayweather in terms of, like, the, the love-hate relationship that people have with him. But you can kind of, if you wanted to draw a comparison, you probably could make that in that people want to see him lose. And there's no way, you know, that, that's the beauty of the sports betting industry is that you have the, the right and the ability to express your opinion through your, your wagers. And I, I've got a wager count. You know, you, you see this number, I think it opened around, I think the lowest number they show was like around 250 and it's up to around 350 right now. So obviously it's, there's been some influential money going um, in the direction of Conor McGregor, but my wager count on this one, and I've got a, I've got a, you know, a, a very solid wager count. I got a lot of volume on this fight. And it's very one-sided towards Cerrone. I've got a wager count about three to one that way. So um, that gives you an indication in terms of where the public's, you know, feeling about this fight. Um, and and again, I, I, it's as much as liking Cerrone as it is disliking McGregor, I think. Um, in terms of, you know, I don't have sharp money out there right now. Um, I think in terms of the props and stuff like that is probably where you're going to find some value. Um, McGregor by KO, TKO, DQ around there is, is around 210, I think it is. Um, I think if you're going to play it, that's probably the way to go in terms of the fact that this number's already moved from the 250 up to 350 right now. And again, it, we're just talking about the ring wars and the damage that Cerrone's had. I mean, he, you know, his best path to victory, I think, would be getting the fight to the floor. But it's, you know, Conor McGregor's takedown defense is, is getting, you know, better. Um, I think, you know, eventually... You're looking at McGregor just being able to overwhelm him. I mean, he's, he is very accurate as a striker. So I, I just think the minus 210 is probably, you know, the way to go. Um, it, it just seems like if you're going to find value, that might be, a, you know, the, the way to go. It, But McGregor just, I mean, he's got such good power. Um, he's so accurate as, you know, as, as a puncher, as a striker. So I, I think it's going to be, you know, I'm going to say a bloody mess. That's just kind of like my prediction for it. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm by no means a Conor McGregor fan. I am a Floyd Mayweather fan. I'll say that just because I, I just appreciate the, the, the art of his boxing ability. Um, but McGregor, I mean, just, you know, as a person, just, he's kind of like a, he's not the kind of guy you really <laughs> look to and say, hey, I, I, I like this guy. Um, yeah, a, a ton of heart out of Cerrone, probably just going up a guy who's just too strong and too accurate for him, I think. So, you know, if I was going to lean anyway and say that, you know, there might be value out there, I think the fact that, you know, I just don't see this one going the distance, and I do think McGregor's just going to be too much for him. So 210 seems to be like the way to go if I was going to play this. Spoken like a sharp UFC handicapper. I mean, is, <laughs> is this a market that you've had personal success in? Yeah, I mean, I, I do look at the props and stuff like that and, and kind of trying to find value. I, I think usually you find, you know, value in stuff like that. And, and again, you know, 
this is just case just for me with Cerrone. Like just he's been in so many wars, and and again, I I just think, um, you know, his chances are going to the floor, and I I just don't see that happening. Maybe he'll get caught on the ground, and you know, there could be a submission or something like that, um, in favor of McGregor. But I I just think, I just think he's going to be too strong and accurate for me. Yeah, it's just it, you know, it's just my opinion. I do watch like almost every one of these events. Um, you know, I I do. This card is just like just stacked too i mean there's the great fights on this card they did a really good job if you go up and down the board from like the opening bout um you know the odds are all between like minus 100 to maybe like minus 150 i think is the highest one and that's pretty much until you get i think there's one that's around 330 um the pettis fight is uh he's like a, a dog the favorite there is like around 250 255 and then the main event around 350 so but other than that you've got all these really close fights um the, you know the grasso uh Godella fight for the women should be a really good fight Right. Holly Holman Peddington. I mean, um, the Gadella is at like a minus 15, minus 120 favorite right now. So that's a really close match, at least on paper. Uh, Holm is minus 135 right now. Really close. So, I mean, the men and the women, you got really, I mean, the, the matchups on this card are just fantastic. And they seem to be, you know, very well evenly matched. Well, you do have Macy Barber as a massive favorite in the minus nine fifty range. There is some yeah. sharp action on the on the round prop for that one, and we do have three fights here that do have some sharp action that you know we might as well share here with our listeners for this Friday show. Yeah, you touched on the the Macy Barber uh, Moda Ferry fight. I do have sharp money on that one. Um, that came on the over one and a half minus one ten. So you know, a lot of people will say, "Oh, you got like a minus nine fifty favorite." It, it, the sharp money's on the over, but yeah, I mean that's that's the way it is. I mean, you see that in in boxing a lot too. It used to. You know, people used to ask me because I, I used to handicap boxing a lot and they would say, you know, you've got this guy who's like, you know, a, a 500, 600, 700 favorite yet. Um, yeah, the over is the favorite, like the, the total is like 11 and a half over minus 210. Why is that? And while you're just talking about a guy who's maybe, you know, not the best uh, striker, but a heck of a boxer. Um, so in, in this case, I do have the Barber fight over one and a half minus 110. Um, one of the other fights I do have sharp money on is uh, Justin Leddit. Uh, he got played at plus 130. Uh, do, 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 do. that was against uh, Alexa Camur and the other one was Maurice Green at even money and that was uh, Alex Olenek that's the fight there so I got uh, Green at even money uh, Let it plus 130 and the Barber fight over one and a half that's sharp money that's come in so far in this one Adam do you have any good stories from your uh, from your boxing handicapping days any any big scores big scores no no I I do I mean it, it is funny because uh, my it, you know we're in Costa Rica and it's not quite, uh, you know, backstreet third world country, but you know, it's a very well-developed country, but my, my very first amateur fight I had down here, um, <laughs> the very first punch that was thrown at me, I was just like, I pretty much froze and boom, crack broke my nose right away. And the, the referee stops in and he's, he says, uh, uh, he says, yeah, you're bleeding now, you know, by amateur rules, I'm supposed to, you know, legally I'm supposed to stop the fight right now. And uh, do you want me, do you want to keep going? And I says, well, you know, I said like to the guy, what happens if I keep going? He says, well, your, your nose is already broken, broken. So, so and I was like, oh, well, it's already broken. So we kept, kept on fighting. So that was kind of funny that the first punch, the guy threw, and then I go to the, uh, go to my corner after the first round, the first thing that the guy who was training me says to me, he says, we didn't teach you any defense, did we? <laughs> so that was, uh, that was just priceless. Uh, that's uh, that's definitely a tough spot to be in to be sure but uh <laughs> what, what about boxing any any big betting wins you can remember 
Oh, that I can remember. No, honestly, I haven't bet boxing seriously for, uh, I'm going to say over five years. I just kind of, you know, I lost interest in the sport. I was really, really active uh, betting wise um, when you like Fernando Vargas, Tito Trinidad, Oscar De La Hoya, um, heavyweights, you know, when Lewis was around, Haseem Rockman, those kind of guys. I, I really was, you know, very passionate and had the time for boxing around then. But I, I, I you know, I, I, I did my own opinion and, and I bet my own opinion and I, and I did, I'm going to say I, I did quite well to that. Good. We added uh, we added Brent's career as a boxer to the odds <laughs> report here this week on Bang the Book Radio. Brent, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate you taking some time out of your day here, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, and go Niners. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.